This is the Mutual Audio Drama Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Squadron Leader Jack Steele and the Starblade by Chris Bedette. Episode 4, Mordred's Gambit. Having been told by Professor Sterling that the Earth is under threat of invasion by the rapacious Quaxorian Empire, Jack, Yvette and Charlie have raced to Glastonbury, intent on retrieving the legendary sword, Excalibur. But the schemes of the aliens' earthly agents seem set to bring their cause to a brutal end as the car hurtles towards the lake with its brake lines cut. Jack! Slow down, Jack! I can't! What is happening? Looks like we've landed in the shallows, but we're sinking fast. Jump off and grab the rope from the boot, Charlie. If we can tie it to the pier, maybe we can haul Gwynny out from the mire. Right, oh, squadron leader. I never did figure out why you carted around that corner vent, but I must say I'm glad of it now. Fifty feet of rope and a ten-foot pole have helped many a chap out in a fix, Bilkins. We've got the rope, but I still need some sort of lever to raise the front axle from the mud. Once that's done, you can start hauling. Here, Jacques, I can see a good straight piece of wood under the water here. I, I think I can reach it. Well, it's not quite ten feet long, but it should do the trick. Thank you, Mr. Lack. Here we go, then. Wait for it, Charlie. Now, heave! <laughs> I'm heaving! I'm heaving! Hand me the field glasses, pilot. Why are they not sinking? Damn their Bolshevik hides. That was not supposed to happen. Find someone to set us down, and uncrate my weapon. Well, well, good news from Gregory. That is unusual. To be honest, Helga, my dear, I think it's a first. Still, now that Steel and Co are out of the picture, the scene is set for our glorious Caxorian masters to land and crush this retarded backwater of a planet. There are still one or two problems that need your personal attention, Mordred. Your personal attack shuttle is fueled and ready for launch, but the radio section will not lock onto the course vectors. It requires my personal authorization code, Fraulein. As well as that, the system star charts have not yet been inserted. For the moment, they are safely stored in this magnetic data spool. I see. So it will not launch without you, then? No. Don't worry, though. I'll be taking you with me to meet the Archduke. I may even bring Gregory along in the light of his bout of unexpected competence. Now, was there another problem? Yes. Unfortunately, the Brigadier's reduced mental capacity has been noticed by his colleagues at the Ministry. Damn it! Have they realised that we have turned him into a remote-controlled zombie slave? Not as such. After all, he always was a little... vacant. Which was why we picked him in the first place. They think he is going senile, and have merely reassigned him to the catering corps. However, this was before he had had a chance to send out the orders to the troops on Salisbury Plain. You'd better drive me out there in person, I suppose. Can you dress as a chauffeur? My old Hitler Youth uniform would suffice. It's a bit tight in places, but... Uh... Splendid. See to it, please. Oh, 
And on the subject of uniforms, have you tried on the Caxorian battle armor I found for you yet? Yeah, but I am afraid I do not fill it out very well. I do not seem to possess sufficient uh, tentacles. What on earth is that? What fool drives a staff car into the middle of a regimental field exercise? Driver, stop the tank over there! Now, look here. I don't know who you think you are, but you have placed yourself in grave danger. The entirety of Salisbury Plain has been sealed off for a live fire exercise. Yes, that's precisely what I want to talk to you about, Colonel. Uh, I'm sorry, sir. I didn't recognize your uniform in this light. General... General what? Oh, yes, um, Morgan. Yes, that'll do. General Morgan, are you Colonel Carruthers? Yes, General. Colonel, I've come here to personally deliver your new orders from the Ministry of Defence. This entire area is to be cleared of military personnel immediately. The entirety of Salisbury Plain? It will be difficult, sir. I've got two entire regiments spread out over 300 square miles. Besides, Hitler marched soldiers into the Rhineland last week. The men need to be kept at constant battle readiness. I know the Germans are in the Rhineland. That's where I told Adolf to send them. And I must say, he's a damn sight better at following orders than you are. I'm sorry, sir? You told him? I really don't understand. <laughs> uh, just my little joke, Colonel. <sighs> Look, let us just get into the motor vehicle. I'll explain everything once we're out of su out of the cold. Very well, sir. But I still don't see. Understand it, Ambrosius. The science is sound, the radium batteries are fully charged, and the subetheric lifters tuned to within a fraction of a microhertz. But as soon as she lifts more than a foot above the ground, we get some sort of feedback loop, and the whole magnetropic field destabilizes. It's hopeless. Hmm. The end result being that she wobbles a bit and crashes back to Earth. Now you noticed that then? My dear fellow, she is the size of a small naval warship. It was hard to miss. Maybe there's some geological interference or some kind of distortion caused by all the lake water above us. Maybe, although I doubt that is the root cause of the problem. And speaking of lakes, I wonder how Jack is getting on. Indeed, although I can't understand why you sent the boy off to find an old sword. We could do with his help here, not to mention the expertise that Ms. Dulac could offer us. And that young Charles Bilkins is handy with a spanner too. On the contrary, Samuel. Finding Excalibur may be the key to solving all of your technical difficulties. Once we have it, you will need to melt it down and alloy the metal with the final layer of hull supersteel. But the hull glazing has no connection to the ship's electrical circuitry, and that's where the problem lies. How is an alloy going to help with the subetheric systems? Samuel, this is science teetering on the brink of magic. And for all your brilliance, you need that final magical spark to make it all work. That sword is the only true blending of technology and magic that has ever, or will ever, exist, and we must harness its unique powers. If you say so, Ambrosius. I do. You are going to have to trust me on this. I'm a scientist, not a magician, Ambrosius. I'm afraid that I find it very difficult to take such matters on pure faith. We have little choice at present, my old friend. 
Unless Jack retrieves Excalibur, then the Starblade project will never get more than a few inches off the ground. It's no good, Jack. You've really flooded her. And I mean it flooded. The old engine's full of mud. It'll take me days to fix this. Days, Charlie? Well, alright. Maybe a day. Or a few hours at the very least. Uh, we may not have hours, Charlie. Look, up there on the hillside. Oh, yeah. Who's the sick-looking beardy bloke, then? I don't know. But the fellows with him look like more of those zombies we met at the farmhouse. Stay by Gwynny. I'll deal with this. But, Jack, he has some sort of gun, and you have a... a stick. No choice, Mr. Lack. I left my bat in the boot. No further than that, squadron leader Jack Steele. Lay down your... weapon. I'm afraid you have me at a disadvantage, sir. Well, yes. You are surrounded and I have the gun and... Nah, it means we don't know who you are, matey. Anyways, that can't be a real gun. It looks just like a toy. Oh, it is real enough, Mr. Bilkins. This is a Quaxorium Particle D... Consecrator or something like that. What is important is that one shot from it and you will experience the most exquisite agony before your entire body is... <laughs> atomized. I think it might be a bit of a loony. Oh, you require a demonstration, perhaps. Regard that, boulder. There. Well, yeah, all right. But it didn't look as if it was in much pain before it exploded, though. And he could have just rigged it with some dynamite or something. It, it was a rock, you... Uh... <sighs> Do not mock me further, young man. Mordred has ordered me to kill Jack Steele, but he said nothing about you and the woman. If you do as I say, then I may permit you to live. Who is this Mordred that you speak of? You do not know? Damn, I never get the proper briefing. Maybe I will have to kill you after all. To answer your question, though, Mordred is the son of Arthur Pendragon and the greatest human servant of the Caxorian Interstellar Empire. He has been made immortal by their technology, and now he's returning to finish the job that he started in his father's time. And what about you, comrade? What have the Ruskies got to do with all of this? I am Gregory Yefimovich Rasputin, prophet of the coming age of Caxorian wonder. Really? I thought that you had died. It, it certainly smells as if you had died. Ha! A minor side effect of my resurrection. There are thousands of reconstituted soldiers like me waiting on Mordred's signal to rise up and prepare the way for the Caxorian war fleet. You won't be so worried about the smell then. Or at least, you wouldn't be if you were alive to see it. Rise up? You mean that they are buried? No, foolish woman. Rise up in glorious revolution! They are already in place across your empire, secretly working in important military and political positions. When the signal is given, they will bring Britain to its knees, leaving you powerless to oppose the Caxorian Empire. Now that I have told you all that, I really am going to have to kill you, I'm afraid. Kill me then, you fiend. But let the others go. They won't talk. Quite impossible, I'm afraid, squadron leader. But uh, to spare your feelings, I will kill you first. No, please! Dos vidanie, Jack Steele. In Mordred's Gambit, 
Jack Steele was played by Neil Frankham, Charlie Bilkins by James Harvey, and Yvette Dilac by Lucy Burton. Mordred was played by Nigel Potter, Rasputin by Tom Butterworth, and Helga von Schmidt by Lauren Orton. Bill McSweeney was Dr. Brunel, and Professor Sterling was played by Robin Orton. The narrator was Guy Ranawira. Sound production by Frank Redding, and original music composed and performed by Bill McSweeney. The episode was directed by Chris Burdett. Squadron leader Jack Steele and the Starblade is an It's a Trap production. Hey everyone, it's Mark from Leap Audio. I'm here to tell you about something really exciting. July 24 through 26 of 2020, Halifax, Nova Scotia, we are gathering together in the world's first international modern audio drama convention and family reunion. Inspired in part by the living, loving memory of our dear friend Bill Hallwake, we're bringing together writers, producers, actors, and our fans for workshops, seminars, and even live performances. So join us, won't you? Go to madcon.com. That's www.mad-con.com for more information. I hope to see you in Halifax in 2020. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together.